im Sinne ist, Miss coming in. Like something is brewing, about to begin. Can't put me finger on what lies in store. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Magical Kingdom of Wall. As always, I'm your host Paul. Sadly, due to time constraints, it will be just myself on this episode, uh, and Lisa will join, rejoin us for the next episode. And in that fashion, I'm I'm going to do something new for the podcast and look at some of the history of the Walt Disney Company. You may have seen some of the uh, of my yeah, history articles over on our website at magical kingdom magical hyphen kingdoms dot com, looking at some of the company's projects that never came to fruition, and also a new feature talking about Disneyland and the areas within the park on opening day. Staying within the Disneyland Resort, I'm going to look at the first hotel on property, the Disneyland Hotel. Now you might say it's just a hotel, but there is a lot to talk about when it comes to the original Disney Hotel. Starting in 1954, while construction of the Disneyland Park was in full swing, due to the remote location the park was being built in, Walt felt there was a need for accommodation to sit alongside the park. The park was a fair distance away from the most populated areas of Southern California, like Los Angeles and Hollywood. He approached TV and radio personality Art Linkletter, a friend of his who would go on to present the opening day coverage of the park, if he would be interested in investing in said accommodation. This due to the financial constraints that Walt would come across while building the park. Linkletter would pass, feeling the park would probably fail. This would later become a huge regret for Link. After this knockback, Walt would turn to another friend, someone who knew the hotel business a little more. Mr. Disney agreed a deal with Jack Rather, a former Texas oil billionaire turned film producer, and alongside his partner, Maria Helen Alvarez. Together they owned television studios in San Diego and Tulsa, as well as hotels in Palm Springs and Las Vegas, under the Rather Alvarez production name. Ground was broken for the new hotel on 18th of March 1955, just a mere four months before the park was due to open. Designed by Pereira and Luckman, the build was a joint venture between Hodges and Van Drift Construction Company, while the steel frame was erected by the Junior Steel Company. Any decorative steel work was done by Atlas Ornamental Ironworks. The hotel's build would be delayed by strikes. Originally intended to open in August 1955, it wouldn't actually take its first occupants until the 5th of October of that year. It actually only had seven rooms available on opening day for paying clients, and an eighth, eighth used for reservation and lobby areas. Once fully operational, the hotel had 100 rooms in five two-story complexes. These rooms were available for $15 a night. Wouldn't we like a hotel room at Disney for $15 a night at the moment? It wasn't long before the first additions were made. In early 1956, shopping, dining and recreational facilities, along with the barbers and the doctors, were added. It wasn't until August 1956 that the hotel had its grand opening, with many a Hollywood star in attendance at its gala event. It was within these last couple of months of 1956 that more was added to the hotel. Three more garden guest room structures were added, to the added taking the guest occupancy to 204 rooms and suites, as well as an Olympic-sized pool, 17 different shops, a cocktail lounge and several more restaurants. Over the next few years, more would be added, including another garden tower in 1958 and two more in 1960. 
This would take the hotel up to 300 rooms and suites, accommodating a thousand guests at the same time, as well as being one of the, the only hotels in Southern California to be able to have four people in one room. In 1958, things started to go a bit awry. Rather falling out with Alvarez, Rather would then buy out his former partner, meaning he would become sole owner. Now, originally, guests would travel by tram from the hotel to the parks and back. But in 1960, plans were announced that a deal between Disney and Rather had been made and the Disneyland Alweg monorail system would be extended to include a station at the Disneyland Hotel, which would open a year later. In 1961, a miniature golf complex was built, as well as a 1,300-square-foot convention and exhibition hall. Over the next two decades, the, con the hotel would continue to expand, starting first with the Sierra Tower in 1962, designed by Weber and Nicholson and erected by C.L. Peck. The two companies would oversee most projects over the next 20 years. This tower would also be expanded again in 1966. In 1970, two significant additions were made. Firstly, the Marina Tower was added, but a hugely different addition was made that year as well. Vacation Land was built adjacent to the hotel, a recreational vehicle park, a first for Disney, but would soon be followed by Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground, being built in Orlando at Walt Disney World, which opened just the following year. During these years, as part of their sponsorship deal, which also included Autopia, a Richfield service station was also built on property. This was followed by one last expansion in 1978, named after his wife, rather added the Bonita Tower. Over the years, Rather was, had been offered deals to hand back the Disneyland Hotel to Disney ownership, including offers from Walt himself, but an agreement was never made. In 1984, Michael Eisner, the new, newly appointed chairman and CEO of Walt Disney Productions, made a similar offer, but was once more knocked back. Sadly, after only two months of Eisner being in charge, Rather passed away and the ownership passed over to his wife, the previously mentioned Bonita Granville. She would own the hotel for four more years when she herself passed away in 1988. So Eisner saw his chance and bought the Rother Corporation outright, including the rights to the Lone Ranger and Lassie, as well as the Queen Mary and Spruce Goose attractions down at Long Beach, another project that Eisner tried to get going over the years but ultimately failed, but that's for another article on the website. Over the years, the hotel also featured a marina, and in the 1980s this area was known as the Seaports of the Pacific, which included a shopping area as well as uh, water sports, similar to what we see on the Seven Seas Lagoon with uh, water mice and, and the like. So there was a lot of upheaval during the de this decade due to the changing owners. Obviously, towards the end of the 80s, Disney gained control of the hotel and enforced the rules that they had in place in the parks for their employees, including those with facial hair having to remove it. The 90s were a barren period for the hotel until Vacationland was demolished in 1997. In 1999, when as part of the expansion of the resort to include downtown Disney and more parking for the growing parks, the Disneyland Hotel went through some drastic changes. All buildings north of the Marina Tower were demolished. This included all original 1955 buildings. The only buildings to survive were the convention centre and parking garage. The recreational areas were built in the quad between the three surviving buildings, at the time still known as Marina, Sierra and Bonita, the site of the former Water Wonderland that was part of the Marina. 
No streets were built to take you to the hotel, as former access routes were rerouted or eliminated. The tram was also removed, leaving only the monorail as the as the transport from the parks to to the hotel and back. The loss of rooms were compensated by the opening of Disney's Grand Californian two years later, but the bulk of the original hotel's facilities were not replaced, including restaurants and also the Olympic swimming pool. Then, when none of the original buildings left standing, the names of the towers changed to Magic, Dreams and Wonder. Now, where have I heard those names before? The hotel was pretty unrecognisable by this point. On the land that was once the Sierra Building, now you find the home of some of the most popular venues in downtown Disney, including the AMC Theatres, ESPN Zone and the Rainforest Cafe. The monorail station is also no longer part of the hotel complex. While still occupy, occupying the same space, it is also part of the downtown Disney area. The station was rebuilt, connecting to the same beam it previously ran on back in the 1950s. In 2009, another refurb of the hotel began, but this time it wasn't to lose anything. The refurb included new windows, wallpaper, carpeting and decor. Once more, the names of the towers would be changed to Adventure, Frontier and Fantasy, taking their names from lands in the park. Not only this, but one of the two pools, the Neverland Pool, got a complete redesign. Six new cabanas and two water slides, themed to the Mark I monorails and including the original hotel signage. Despite the changes, some of the old hotel can still be found in the hotel lobby if you are looking for that nostalgia. Thank you for joining me on for this walk down the Disney memory lane. I hope you enjoyed my look at the first hotel to be built on Disney property back when everything was so new. If you enjoyed that, remember to check out the website magic-kingdoms.com for more historical looks at Disney. Also, go have a look at our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram accounts. We've had hit nearly a thousand followers on Instagram and would love for you to join in the photographic fun. Next month, Lisa will be hopefully be joining me once more when we are going to take a look at the holiday experiences that Adventures by Disney can provide you. Only one thing left to say, and that is, keep on dreaming.